Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at ixl.com/fine. Visit ixl.com/fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's ixl.com/fine. The following podcast contains barnyard language and some adult content. So, Maybe listen on headphones if you're at work or around small children. Now, here's the show. Hey, Jolenta. Yes, Kristen. It has been one week since we lived by five ingredients, quick and easy food, and you know what that means. It's time to eat. I mean, it's time for another Buy the Book mini episode. That's right. It's time for another Buy the Book epilogue. This week, we're looking at the aftermath of Living by Five Ingredients, Quick and Easy Food by Jamie Oliver. Kristen, we heard from so many listeners this week. Listeners have thoughts on food. Let's get into it. Let us start with people who have positive thoughts about Jamie and or the book. Yes. We'll start with Aaron. Aaron says... I've had this book since 2018. I learned about it from Jamie's show, Quick and Easy, from the UK, which is watchable on YouTube. On getting the book, I did find it was really helpful to have seen many of the recipes made on the show first, where he demonstrated the techniques and tips. And I always refer to videos of the show when I'm not sure what he meant by something. My husband and I have about five or so go-tos from this book that we keep coming back to. So glad you covered this one, and I enjoyed your perspectives. Aaron, you're smart. 
I could have used some like video visual aids. Yeah. But I didn't think of that. And the book didn't tell me to look on YouTube. Otherwise, I would have. Aaron, <laughs> you write the book. That makes so much sense because if you want to see how he's chopping a, you know, tomato or a watermelon Slipping in your that case, to, yeah, any of those things. Yeah, that would have made exactly. sense. It, it didn't cross my mind that I should, you know, mm, maybe maybe look at some videos too. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Martina wrote in to say, my partner and I use Jamie Oliver's Five Ingredients book all the time. It seems like in the episode, you two only use the salad and occasionally the egg sections of the book, which are the weakest parts in my opinion. I would not recommend this book if you are a vegetarian, but the meat and pasta sections are great. Off the top of my head, my favorite recipes are the chicken tray bakes, chorizo salmon, rose pesto prawn pasta, the garlic mushroom pasta, and the zucchini lemon pasta. But honestly, there are so many we love. Mm, That is a good point. Yeah, I would say most of what I made was vegetarian. Same, um, same. Yeah. I tend to shy away from cooking meat. That tends to be Brad's department. And Likewise. I don't eat much meat. Yes. I was I'm, also I'm, raised vegetarian, so meat is real hard on my little tom-tom system. Um, so I don't eat a lot of it. I, I just don't know how to touch chicken without being terrified. Oh, I'm, I'm terrified so of, of touching, touching raw meat. chicken. I'm sure I sound like such a baby weenie right now, but I don't care. <laughs> but Martina, that is such a good point. Such a good um, point. Yeah, and as much as I love pasta, uh, Dean is not the biggest pasta fan either, so I only made one pasta dish, I think, during this entire book. Anywho, Kate. Let's move on to Kate. Kate says, my entire extended family and I all have this book. We love it and cook from it regularly. I also love his most recent cooking show about quarantine cooking. On the show, he specifically talks about encouraging people to swap out ingredients, use what they Mm. have, etc. To me, that's part of the beauty of the cooking process, learning to adapt to suit your own needs and tastes like Kristen did in week two of the podcast. Even when Kristen doesn't live by the book, she's always getting fucking gold stars from the (laughs) listeners. (laughs) Kate, I think that's such a great point about swapping out ingredients and so on. But I, I will say this. This cookbook seems to be marketing itself to a beginning cooker or a new cooker or cook, cook, not cooker. Um, And (laughs) That's how much we cook. (laughs) And so I I would say for a lot of people who are new to cooking or don't cook often, we don't always know what to swap out. It can be a little bit confusing about like, oh, if I don't have this spice, I'll just throw a nutmeg. No, don't just throw a nutmeg. You can Google like what to swap with. Yeah. Yes. I but suppose don't you just do randomly put nutmeg in shit. Agreed. Yes. <laughs> I have no black pepper. I'll put in nutmeg. No, I mean, I, I think the swapping out... In- That's a weird swap. Yeah, I think the swapping out ingredients, um, usually, most people I know who do that tend to be more confident cooks who've cooked a lot more and a lot longer than maybe right. the reader who is being targeted with this book. Exactly. No, I agree. Kristen, should we switch gears and let's read some letters and hear from some people who aren't that into Jamie Oliver or the book? Yeah, let's hear from some of them. First up, we have Heidi. Heidi says, I wanted to love Jamie Oliver's Five Ingredients book, but I felt like the recipes I tried from it were harder and more complicated than a lot of recipes with much longer ingredient lists. For example, I made a salad that had apples and carrots and a sesame tahini dressing. The carrots were julienned instead of just shredded, and instead of using tahini out of a jar, I had to grind up the sesame seeds. So I guess a short ingredient list is not equivalent to an easy recipe. Oh, 
Wow. I did not make that salad, but that sounds like a lot of work. Julianning carrots is so time-consuming. Unless, uh, yeah, I just use a shredder. Yeah. Like a paper shredder. I try to stick my carrots in paper shredders. What? Ah, I'm, paper joking. Shredders. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm <laughs> joking. Uh, you can use that slap chop. You know the slap chop? Ugh, yes. <laughs> Which apparently three, doesn't cut three anything. Three chops and you're done. <laughs> I love watching the infomercials for it, but in real life, like, apparently yeah. it does not work in the slightest. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe you're not slapping hard enough. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Olivia wrote in with this. Jamie Oliver seems to focus a lot on fresh, local, and organic, but a lot of those ingredients are super hard to find where I live. I live in a food desert. All we have in town are a dollar general and a family dollar. You can put a meal together, but it's mostly processed food. Zero fresh fruit or veggies. None of the fancy oils and such. I am able to order certain dry goods online, but otherwise have to drive at least half an hour to get to a grocery store to get what I need. And the town I live in is very low income. Probably around 80% of the population receive government assistance, so it doesn't help that it costs that extra gas money to get regular groceries. So yeah, this is a real problem that I think more people need to be addressing. Uh, hardcore agree. Food deserts are rough and very real. And like, it doesn't matter how many ingredients you use if like they aren't accessible to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the cost is such a valid point too. While it's great to be able to buy organic and local produce mm-hmm. and meat and so on, it does cost more. That's just costs, the fact yeah, of the matter. For 100%. Yeah, it costs more. And then on top of that, all of the other things that Jamie's like, you get what you pay for, like, you know, uh, pesto or chutneys and all of those things. Little sprinkles. Yeah, those can add up really quickly. And just the privilege in itself that the book talks about, like taking photos of your food and like making it pretty. It's like that's that's a that's an add on. (laughs) Yeah. So, Olivia, that's a very valid point. Um. All around America, there are food deserts. Uh, I know that outside the U.S., there are also uh, food access issues all over the world. So this is not just an American problem. It's not just a rural or a city problem. This is a real issue in lots of places, including in the U.K., where Jamie Oliver's from. True. Very true. Um, Kristen, this next letter is from Carol Ann, and there is some hot goss in it. And you oh, know, I love this one. We like it. our goss, whether it's hot or cold. Um, <laughs> Carol oh, Ann, this is ice cold. <laughs> yeah, I just like Jamie Oliver. I'm from Huntington, West Virginia, where he shot the show Food Revolution in 2009. He and the show made an absolute mockery of my hometown, finding the worst examples of people who live here to make us look stupid, and they made zero lasting changes. Among the people he mocked were my two brother-in-laws, who are grown up now. They were in the infamous chicken nugget scene on the show. But because we have a sense of humor, our family now enjoys telling the story and loves teasing them about it. Ooh, that chicken nugget scene. Jolenta, you know that scene, right? Mm-hmm. You just watch yes. that. So what happens in this scene is Jamie Oliver like deconstructs a whole chicken in front of a group of kids. 
and is like, here's the breast, here's the this, here's the that. These are all the things you eat. And then he has just sort of the shell of the carcass left and is like, what do you think they do with this? And it's just like bones and cartilage. And the kids are like, throw it out. And he's like, no, they take this like garbagey part and chop it up and make food with that. And he puts it in a food processor, Kristen, and it makes the like sort of pink goo like you see on Super Size Me or whatever where they're Mm -hmm. like, your chicken nuggets are pink goo. (laughs) And the kids are like, oh, well, but then he like makes some very appetizing looking chicken nuggets, if you ask me. And he breads them and then the kids eat them. And he breads them and fries it up. And then apparently the kids ate the gross nuggets. But like, it was clearly to be like it was a shock value to make episode. fun of the locals. Like, look at yeah. how look at how depraved and uneducated these people like, are. They don't know they eat garbage. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, that show, Carol Ann. First of all, I can totally understand why you and other people in Huntington, West Virginia, do not like Jamie Oliver. Uh, this show was widely criticized. He essentially swooped in yeah. as somebody from the UK and kind of. Uh, depicted all of the U.S. as backward and that we mm. didn't know what food was. Yeah, and he that- found a very, like, marginalized low-income town and essentially mm-hmm. was like, these idiots don't know what's healthy because, like, they have no resources and very low income. Yeah. And, and it just um, looked bad. It did. And it I would argue bad. the chicken nugget scene, I would argue these are people who don't, want to practice food waste when food is scarce to make fun of people for eating parts of food that maybe if you're rich, you can just throw that out or put it in the compost bin. like, it's not a breast, but But yeah. But if food scarcity is an issue, it's like, why would you make fun of people for eating parts of- For being resourceful? Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't think that was very nice. And Mm -hmm. um, Carol Ann, I'm glad you can laugh about it now, but- a lot and of thank you for the goss. Yeah, we love it. But a lot of people in the U.S. felt really bothered by that show. Let's swoop mm-hmm. into one of the very poorest parts of America and, and just ridicule, ridicule them for yeah. like their food taste because they're poor, and that's not their choice. Yeah, uh, and let's how, move on. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I don't know. We could go on and on about this one. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, um, I love this phone message we got from a recipe writer. Uh, let's just, let's just play this. I, I wish the person gave their name, but mm-hmm. um, whoever you are, you know who you are. As a long-time chef and food writer, there's such a big difference between being able to write a recipe and being able to execute um, cooking, cooking a meal or a dish, and the, there are very distinct differences. There are so many wonderful chefs who can't write a recipe for shit? And as a food writer, I had to learn how to write recipes because you actually have to make a dish and pay attention to what you're doing, including measurements, temperatures, technique, timing. It is just a lot. So that said, I just think some chefs shouldn't be cookbook writers at all. I have run into the same issue time and time again where I think this recipe will not work. I I know just by looking at it. Yeah. Jolenta, you and I were saying on the show that there may be a difference between a food presenter versus Mm. a good chef, but this takes it to another level. Uh, You could be a good chef, but not But just not be able to write your shit down. Yeah. Yeah, Like you can't sort of recreate the process in words in a way that like teaches people well. Yes. 
Yes. That it just makes so much sense. It does. Like some people are uh great scholars but not great teachers. Some people are great teachers but not great writers and so on. And it seems, you know, similar to that. So yeah. thank you so much, anonymous recipe writer. We really appreciate that. We're gonna go write some recipes right now and take a quick break. But when we come back, we're gonna have so many questions from all of you out there for us about how we live by the book. And we have an angry letter for Dean, so stick around. You don't want to miss that one. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. We are back with listener questions from all of you out there specific to how Jolenta, you and I lived by five ingredients, quick and easy food by Jamie Oliver. Kristen, I think I should take this one because you're probably yes. biased. Yes, this I'll let you take this is one. a letter from Kate in the UK. Who is mad at Dean? Yes. Kate says, I had to stop the pod and write after listening to Dean in the first week of living by Jamie Oliver's book. So he didn't like a rice dish. It's obvious he doesn't like Jamie Oliver. But it was out of line for Dean to say that Jamie Oliver shouldn't have bothered coming to America and doing the school dinner show, which highlighted that American kids are offered fast food in school. Bad Jamie Oliver for trying to teach kids what a potato is. It's unbelievably sad to witness that children have never seen a potato. Anyway, I think this book was never going to go down well because he's an English-British chef. I couldn't listen to the end, but I imagine it wasn't positive. I'm sure Chef Dean with his three pestle and mortars is a far better cook, chef, and rice maker. Maybe you could live by his recipe book next. Oh, wait, he doesn't have one. oh kate you just made my week oh yeah uh dean is so likable i just love that someone can tear him a new asshole about something and it involves three mortars and pencils (laughs) it's so good (laughs) tell him i'm sorry i find this so entertaining no i I gotta say dean found it entertaining too he was laughing when he read this letter he was calling him chef dean kate like kate you need to write for an insult comic or like some sort of roast. Yeah, so roasts happening in the UK. Like, get on this girl because you are scathing. <laughs> well, Dean laughed and laughed at this because um, I'm not sure if you know this, Kate, but Dean, being from New Zealand, uh, ate essentially a 
British diet all his life and still loves it. He loves traditional British food. Yeah, he's so, always like bitching about bubble and squeak and shit. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Dean does not have an inherent bias against British chefs. He does not. Uh, he he loved Jamie Oliver. He used to watch The Naked Chef, he was telling me. Uh, and so, no, he, uh, I just want to make it really clear, Dean did not go in hating Jamie. He did not go in hating British food. He just didn't like that fried rice, which, you know. He did go in with three mortar and pestles, though. He did, which, do you really need that many? I love you, Dean, but, you know, you probably don't need that many. (laughs) (laughs) Anywho, Kate, if you do ever listen to the second half of this episode, no pressure. You don't have to. Um, I... I think maybe you might like Dean better by the end. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Maybe don't torture yourself. Don't force yourself. You don't have to. <laughs> you don't need to like, we don't need to shove Dean down our throat. Yeah. Yeah. That's for you. Oh, <laughs> oh gross. That's a gross joke. Take that out. Oh, gosh. Oh, I I mean, it's food related, isn't it? No. no I don't know. Okay. I'm just going to change the subject. Let's move on. Yes. All right. <laughs> Let's move along with this letter for you, Jolenta, about mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Ab- about the great sweet potato squash controversy of 2020. <laughs> yeah. When we think and, back to 2020, we are yes. thinking about only this. Yes. 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 Um, Lisa Jane says, Jolenta, how are squash and sweet potatoes the same thing? <laughs> squash is pumpkin in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And like yellow zucchini in Australia, it's pumpkin or zucchini in the U.K. Am I missing something? I listened twice. They are just such different vegetables. I cannot comprehend. And they're also grown differently, Jolenta. So that's okay. Lisa Jane. <laughs> Lisa Jane. But Jolenta, before you respond yes. to Lisa Jane, Alden... Alden wants to take your side here. Alden says, where I live, we use the term summer squash to mean zucchini, green, or yellow, and winter squash to mean butternut, acorn, patty pan, pumpkin, etc. But like Jolenta, I do often say squash when I mean sweet potato, even though I know they're not the same thing because the two can be used interchangeably in many recipes. Right. Yes. Okay. Lisa Jane, to answer your question, in the U.S., similarly to in the U.K., squash is still a pumpkin. It didn't, like, change genus or anything. I'm sure that's not, like, the genus, whatever. Um, And, yeah, like, zucchini's also a squash. And for sure, sweet potatoes are probably, like, a tuber or something. Um, But, like Alden sort of implies, like, we're talking sweet potato, orange, when baked, gets sort of a crispy outside, mushy inside, starchy, sweet. Tell me a winter squash, as Alden says, does not sort of have, feel similar once in the mouth. <laughs> like I'm just trying, I'm just saying, like if you're if you're if you're having a tantrum and picking between some market sides and you only get to choose like two, are you gonna pick orangey, starchy, mushy, sweet things? Or are you gonna throw a tantrum and say they're the same? Mm. It's it's more for effect than like for accuracy. Well, I will say also um, because it is the season to mention pumpkin pie and sweet potato mm-hmm. pie, both of which are American delicacies during this time of year. Right? They taste identical to me. They I'm taste just the say, same. I cannot tell the difference. They look if you the give same. Me a piece of sweet potato pie or a piece of pumpkin pie, both delicious. Cannot tell them apart. Right. Right. <laughs> so I mean, I know they're not the same. But in my tantrum, I was saying I don't want things with the same sort of color and mouthfeel and, like, starchy, sweet taste. Yes. But 
yes, I know I fucked up. I know I'm spreading lies, and I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> Squashes are squash. Potatoes are potatoes. They're not the same. I retract my former statement. Where does a yam come in there? I don't. Uh, it's a big tuber. <laughs> okay, I, I'm not going to take this okay, any further. Okay, and so now I've like also had the question in my mind, what's the difference between a squash and a gourd? And like, we can't go there. <laughs> what Kristen. is gorgeous, though? I will say Oh, that. my God, stop. No. <laughs> Kristen, it's time to pick on you. Yes. I want to read you some letters about your egg problem, your boiled egg-ish. Yes. Elizabeth wrote in to say, I am very confused about this egg that won't cook. How? What kind of mutant egg is it that won't cook after boiling and then being microwaved? I have so many questions. And then (laughs) Jessica said, I had thought as an American person living in England about Kristen's egg conundrum. In the UK, they do not keep eggs in the fridge. They are sold in the store on a shelf and at home people keep them at room temperature. So possibly that could be an issue with egg boiling timing? Whoa. Whoa. All right. I forgot, UK people, you like everything room temp, from your soda (laughs) to your eggs. (laughs) So, Elizabeth, you were one of so many people who were really, really confused about that. I had the same question, too. Yeah, lots of people were confused about that. But, Jessica, oh my God, your letter totally. Yeah, that explains so much. So, just to explain to everybody who has not read Quick and Easy uh, Five Ingredients, um, so in this particular recipe, this sort of niçoise salad, What Jamie Oliver does is he's like, yeah, have a saucepan of water, bring the water to a boil, then toss in your string beans and your eggs on top for five minutes to boil. Now, in the U.S., we chill our string beans Mm -hmm. and we chill our eggs. So I was putting in essentially two cups of almost frozen string beans because they were in our 40-degree Fahrenheit uh, refrigerator. Mm -hmm. And I was also putting in four eggs, which were also in our 40-degree Fahrenheit refrigerator. So I'm guessing that throwing Mm -hmm. all those nearly frozen things into boiling water... Really lowered the water temp. Yeah. And there wasn't enough water in retrospect to, you know, balance that out. If if I was using a giant spaghetti pot, maybe Mm -hmm. the water temperature wouldn't have dropped that much, but... And now that I think of it, my rule of thumb for hard-boiling eggs is like 11 or 12 minutes, not five, which is like double the time. Uh, If I used my common sense ever, I could have mentioned this sooner, too. (laughs) But thank you to everybody who wrote in also with egg-boiling tips. We got a lot... They were excellent. Uh, They sure were. (laughs) That was a funny joke. Okay. So thank you, everybody who wrote in, because we must have about 100 boiled egg recipes right now, and we appreciate all of them, including the ones where you use the Instapot. I I may try that one. Oh, my gosh. That pot (laughs) always coming back at us. (laughs) All right, Jolenta. Let's move on to your grandpa. Lots and lots. Grandpa Jerry. Yeah. Lots of people love Grandpa Jerry and wrote in about him. For example, Mira says, when Jolenta mentioned her grandpa being condiment man, my ears perked right up. There's actually a DC (laughs) villain by the name of Condiment (gasps) King, and he wears a condiment utility belt slash backpack combo. What? So for those of us who don't know what Jolenta's grandpa looks like, I'd say that's most of us. It's now in my head that he looks like this cartoon guy. Oh my gosh, the backpack combo. I'm imagining now, like, what if Condiment King has, like, a camel back with some sort of, like, 
white wine vinaigrette like in it or <laughs> that he can squirt on shit like I don't know <laughs> I love it I love it I, I also think about your granddad um one specific thing when you asked him what kind of hot sauce he likes because he said he loves hot sauce he said right. you know the one with the rooster on it and everybody on the planet knows what he's talking about he did not need hot to say sauce. sriracha we know yeah we know what the rooster sauce is everyone knows yeah. a good rooster sauce so yeah. cute yeah love it love I'm it grandpa just, Jerry I feel like he's really branched out when I first discovered his condiment hangup, it was all like only Italian condiments. Lots of like, where's the roasted pepper? The pepper flake. Lots of pepper related things. <laughs> or like, do you have any fried roasted pepper that I can put on the side? He just wants like pieces of pepper. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But now he seems to have really branched out more, which I like. Love it. I got to say, Grandpa Jerry, if you're listening, Sri Racha on spaghetti is quite delicious. Oh, he's not listening. He doesn't know how. But he does watch the Kardashians, which oh, I think is I love him. fascinating. All right, Kristen, let's move on to you. We heard yes. from some people in the UK about you not understanding the vocabulary that Jamie Oliver uses. Uh, Sarah <laughs> wrote in to say this. Jamie Oliver is known here for talking nonsense and faux cockney and is often mocked for it. His catchphrase, pucka, nobody says that, and his suggestion to big up on herbs makes no sense to anyone over here either. To big up does not mean to use a lot of something. Generally, it means to praise something, but perhaps maybe over-exaggerate it. Thus, I might say, she keeps bigging up how good her herb garden is. I would not say you should big up on herbs. Oh, Sarah, thank you for clarifying because, yeah, yeah, I mean, most of the things that were ingredients Dean could help me with because he grew up with that vocabulary. But yeah, some of the catchphrases, it's like, what is he saying here? What is right. going on I with thought this guy? big up was sort of like, oh, she's in deep or like, yeah, like, like bragging <laughs> big time. Like that's what, and then I was like, I guess big up. I don't know what big up means. <laughs> but I did. Yes. And um, Sarah, you're not the only one who wrote into us also about Jamie's faux cockney. The fake and how, cockney. And how he tries to sound like the quote working man or every man, but he's actually not. So he kind of yeah. like amps up what he thinks an every man talks like. Um. Yeah. yeah, that that seems kind of problematic to me. I don't know if I'm on board with it that. Makes, it makes – I feel like it makes sense as to, like, what he did in America, too. It's sort of, like, the extreme version of that. Like, I'm going to hang with, like, the folks yeah. who, like, need to know about food. But it's always sort of, like, something's a bit put on and not quite right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. We are going to take another quick break, but when we come back, some of you out there have some strong feelings about food that combine sweet and savory. And of course, we're going to announce next week's book. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. 
New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. We are back, and uh, the verdict is in on how many of you, like Jamie Oliver with his jelly-fried rice and fruity Brussels, Y'all love sweet and savory together because you're smart. You're on the right side of history and you have fucking taste buds that work. No offense, <laughs> Kristen. <laughs> yes. Um, a lot of you is an understatement. Really mm-hmm. like sweet and savory together. We put up a survey on our Facebook community. Reminder, mm-hmm. that's at facebook.com slash groups slash pod. And as of today... Over 1,300 of you have responded, and it turns out only 69 of you agree (laughs) with me that sweet and savory don't belong together. And that's a dirty number. (laughs) I'm sorry I made fun of you 69ers, but uh, a few of you had explanations for your very confusing perspective. Uh, For example, Caitlin said... I have a deep aversion to sweet and savory food mixes to the degree that I can't even have the vaguely sweet Hawaiian buns with sliders. Yes. Caitlin, I feel the same way. Are you kidding? That's the best part of Hawaiian sliders. No, I will not name a fast food restaurant here, but there is a certain fast food restaurant chain that they serve their hamburgers on those Hawaiian buns. And And they're good. No, I peel off the bun and I give it to Dean and then I just eat the hamburger no. on its own. Because and Dean I, lives his best ugh. life with double buns. <laughs> wow, that even that, uh, that's so, you guys just must have more sensitive taste buds. Because oh, to me, it's God. like, it's just not even, it's just not even too sweet to think about, let alone like need to remove. To you, it just tastes you know, like I did, fluffy white I bread, right? I did smoke for like 10 years on and off. So I'm sure that's part of this. <laughs> well... I do got to, for Jolenta's sake, also shout out the rest of you, the nearly 1,300 of you, who um, wanted to share some of your favorite sweet, savory food combos. So let's shout out some of those food combos. All right. We'll take turns, Jolenta. I'll let you read the first one. Okay. French fries dipped in a chocolate shake. Classic. Cheeseburger served on a glazed donut. Very popular at at, uh, food food fairs, like hipster food fairs. Yeah. Yeah. Salt and vinegar potato chips mixed with M&M's. Haven't tried it. Intrigued. Mm, Plain M&M's? I wonder. <laughs> pineapple and ham pizza drizzled with hot honey. That sounds delish. Mm. Applesauce on macaroni and cheese. Honestly, it seems like sort of a reverse slice of cheese on an apple pie, and I'm there for it. Oh, boy. I... <laughs> Kristen, are you okay after reading and hearing all of these? I'm I'm gagging. She's a little shaking bit. her head. No, I'm a little she bit literally nauseated. looks paler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, thank you. I've never seen her so quiet. No, no. Just give me the mac and cheese. I don't. I'll have mm-hmm. the applesauce separately on a on a different day. Not not in the same bite. Can I have hot sauce on it? Mm, maybe some rooster what? sauce on the mac and cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A little Tabasco, but, but rooster sauce is not sweet. So there you go. <laughs> right, I know. Uh, well, huge thank you to everyone who wrote in this week and shared all of your food thoughts. We have so much to think about and so much to go try and eat. Um, I love it. <laughs> and now, Jolenta, it's the time when we announce next week's book. 
Our next book is The House Witch, your complete guide to creating a magical space with rituals and spells for hearth and home by Aaron Murphy Hiscock. Will we get to fly on brooms? Can I be an apartment witch? Will I finally find a spell that will make Kristen less skeptical about woo-woo shit? Listen next week to find out. And that's it for this mini episode of By the Book. Huge, huge thank you to our production team at Stitcher. They're the best. Daisy Rosario, Brandon Nix, and Andy Christens. They make this show happen and put it in your ears. Thanks also to Nate Wida, he composed our theme song, and to the Rizzos who performed this version of it. Please stay in touch. Let us know if you've read Five Ingredients. Also, send us any questions or suggestions for future books for us to live by. We are currently in the process of putting together Season 8 of By the Book, and those suggestions really help us. You can hit us up at kristenandjolenta at gmail.com. Don't forget, you can also tweet at us, at Jolenta G, at Kristen Meinzer, or at By the Book Pod. And you can always leave us a hot, hot voicemail at 302-49-BOOKS. That's 302-492-6657. Also, please rate us five stars and review us in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It helps other people to find the show. It helps them feel like they're going to a gourmet restaurant that has five stars from a bunch of other people who've been to that restaurant. And if you haven't already, tell a friend about the show. Until next time, I'm Jolenta Greenberg. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. All of it sounded disgusting. No. You know what? I don't I don't want the I don't want the salt and vinegar chips with the freaking M&Ms. I don't want that either. I mean, all of it sounds terrible to me. Stitcher. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.